our lives are the sum of our choices. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. It's been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. your objective what's your ultimate objective your life will always matter more to me than my own none of our lives can matter more than this mission I don't accept that Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And on deck for today's episode, a double review coming. Um, a little late on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but you'll get my thoughts on that movie as well as Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I will compare the two in terms of like where we are right now in Hollywood and their releases and... We're really at a critical point. Uh, I know the, the writer's strike is going on, the actor's strike, and um, the box office is kind of reflecting of where we are and what the audience is craving and not craving anymore. So there's an interesting conversation to be had there. So that's what this episode is going to be about. I guess it's kind of good that I waited to review both of these movies together because they're complete opposites in, and also both trying to attract the same audience. Um, so that'll be an interesting topic as we get into it throughout this episode. Um, but let's look at the uh, the box office performance uh, for Mission Impossible and uh, Indiana Jones as far as like where we stand right now. So uh, like I said, I'm recording this episode a little bit late. So right now we're in the middle of Barbenheimer weekend, which uh, for sure another episode will be coming this week and I will finally 
be able to be caught up with everything that I've seen. Uh, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks, um, not just work-wise, but just a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I'm finally able to catch up. Um, hopefully you all were able to listen to my Dark Knight 15-year anniversary podcast, which I was so excited to do, and I knew that one had to be released on uh, its anniversary date. So check that one out. It's available now on all your podcast platforms. Um, but let's let's talk about the box office um, weekend that Mission Impossible had. We're going back a little bit. I know we're a little past, but I want to talk about the top five the weekend that Mission Impossible came out. So at number five, we had Elemental, which uh, scored $9 million, and its total was up to $125 million, which is one of the more lowest-grossing Pixar movies uh, that we've had in recent memory. Um, Disney has been on a little bit of a downfall as far as like their movie releases and most of them have been disappointments this year. Even like in the little victories that they had with like the Little Mermaid, but still coming in under the, what they expected. So elemental, but still hanging in there because it's the only really, um, animated movie that there is. Uh, DreamWorks tried to release the Teenage Kraken, I believe is what it was called, Ruby Gilman. Uh, that one completely flatlined, so um, Elemental really is the only choice for taking out smaller children to go see a, a movie for the weekend. At number four, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I didn't get to talk about its opening weekend, but it opened to about 50 million, um, 50, 55 million, somewhere around there, maybe closer to 60. Um, it's a bit hazy because a lot of these movies have been a little similar. The Flash, all of these movies underperforming, uh, came in at number four with 12 million, bringing its total to 105. And again, this movie cost more than 300 million to make, uh, not including like marketing and stuff. So, this is considered a big bust for Disney as they did acquire Lucasfilm and this is the first Indiana Jones movie under the Disney banner and obviously the last one with Harrison Ford um, and the audience is just kind of not responding to it and it's weird because Indiana Jones is a pretty pretty big franchise and uh, I know there was a lot of bad will from the last movie back in 2008 but still, you know, Harrison Ford, the iconic character one more time, you figured audiences would be excited for it but they're not turning out for it and we'll get to more of why that is happening um in just a little bit at number three insidious the red door coming in with 13 million uh with its total at 58 million now this movie only costs around like 15 to make so already a giant success and usually with horror movies um they're easily able to make their money back because these are always super cheap so of course, it's easy to, why you see so many horror movies every year. They're cheap to make, and they always make back their money because it's, it's an easy sell for moviegoers, uh, especially with the younger crowd. So those are always going to make their money. Some may be hit and miss, but for the most part, they're going to be hits. At number two, uh, this is the one that's uh, surprising um, box office all over the nation. Um, it's not getting enough press coverage. But I'm glad that it's doing well. Anytime that movies are doing well in our theaters is just great for business. And that is Sound of Freedom coming in at 27 million for a total of 85. And this is coming from a studio called Angel. Uh, now originally Sound of Freedom was under the Disney banner, but Disney did not want to release this movie. But now look at how it's backfired on them and kind of like a little bit of karma. And it, it's ranking in the money. Again, I work at the movie theaters and this movie has been selling out from the moment it has opened. I think it opened on July 4th and it's just been crazy ever since. It's been a super hot ticket. 
Now, one of the smart marketing tools that Angel Studios has done is that I believe like at the end of the movie during the credits, uh, star Jim Caviezel puts out a uh, QR code that you can scan and like you want to give if you want to give somebody the opportunity to see this movie that may not have the funds to do so, you kind of do it like a pay it forward thing. So that's also been helping in its ticket sales. So, and it just continues to rack in money. It continues to be a sellout. And I'm shocked that it's not getting the amount of uh, mainstream coverage that it should, because this is one of the true box office successes of the year. And then of course we come in at number one, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, which opened on a Wednesday, um, and it raked in money during the week, so its opening weekend number doesn't look as impressive, so it came in at 54 million, uh, for its total of 78 million now, probably a little bit closer to 100 now, since I'm a little bit late on this. But, um, yeah, um, it's performing exactly like a Mission Impossible movie is doing. I don't know why people were expecting it to be any higher than that. I understand Top Gun Maverick was the big movie, last year and that was such a phenomenon but it was also like a once in a lifetime like pop cultural moment like it was the perfect moment for that movie to come out and for the record tom cruise's movies never really opened that big to begin with like top gun maverick is an outlier and if you look at the last mission impossible fallout i believe it opened to like 68 million closer to 70 so it's performing like a mission impossible movie what helps Mission is that these movies are actually good, and so they'll leg out and make all their money. So that's really what Paramount is banking on with this one. So the media that are pushing, like, oh, this is like a disappointment or whatever, like, no, it's ex- performing exactly like it should. Like, stop thinking about Top Gun Maverick. Yes, Tom Cruise is the huge star, but these movies, what makes them profitable is their legging out and repeat viewings and the fact that the movies are good and they're they're critically beloved and the audience scores are good so i'm not worried about this one um although it did cost a little bit more to make but that's because of everything that was going on with covid all the shutdowns and restarts and you know reshoots all that had to do with it as far as like making its budget a little bit bigger than most other mission impossible movies but uh also and I think we can kind of pivot to what's going on right now with the box office and a lot of these movies underperforming. I think the audiences have finally caught up and they're getting very frustrated and just sick and tired of sequels. <laughs> I mean, you know, I love the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, you'll get more of my review later on in the show. But when you think about it, it is the seventh movie in the series and... You know, the the movie-going audience is getting a little younger, and some of them may not be all behind, like, the Mission Impossible movies and what's come before, so they're looking for fresh stuff. You have the older audience that'll come out and see these movies still, but, you know, with Indiana Jones, same thing. It's like, it's the fifth movie, um, and you're starting to... It's reflecting in the box office, so the audience will tell you, like, where the business is headed, and you see movies this year that have really overperformed, something like Sound of Freedom, um, that's not a sequel and it's not IP driven. Um, it's a it's a real story of stuff that's going on in the world right now. Um, the Super Mario Brothers movie, I know it's big IP, but it's it was the first movie to come out uh, like that of its uh, of its kind, you know, in the animated world. So people were clamoring for something new like that, you know. Um, 
it's just, uh, it, it's, the audience is telling you, and hopefully Hollywood is listening, um, and it's kind of oversaturated now with sequels. Fast X underperformed, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of other sequels that just didn't hit the mark this, this summer, and, and you're, you're seeing it reflected. It's like, you know, <laughs> just too many sequels now, and, uh, I think the audience is starving for, um, originality and, and just stuff that we haven't seen before and stuff, non-sequels, you know, you look at movies like no hard feelings did well, better than expected. That wasn't a sequel, although not a huge hit, but big enough of a hit for Sony to show like, Hey, the audience does crave something like this. That's different or something like a sound of freedom. Um, but again, I, I I do highly recommend Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Although it is a Part Seven uh, in the series, it is one of the strongest movies of the year. And again, you'll get my review in just a little bit. But um, they're telling you. And then, of course, we can go back as early as February with Ant Man and the Wasp and how that underperformed. And Marvel is supposed to be this giant juggernaut, and I think it's it's starting to really wear out its welcome and kind of like you know they peaked in my opinion, with Avengers Endgame, and they just keep going and going and going, but, you know, people get tired of stuff, people move on, this has happened in Hollywood since forever, you know, Westerns used to be the thing, and then they don't, they didn't make those anymore, and you'd hear, see one here and there, but those used to be a thing, and you know, like, all these different genres that just kind of come and go, so... The audience is telling you we finally reached that point, and you'll hear about that more in my next episode with uh, with Barbie and Oppenheimer. There's just something boiling there as far as like what the audience is craving. So that's the box office um, for Mission Impossible this weekend. Um, it's going to get really hammered with the appearance of Barbie and Oppenheimer, um, and we'll see how much it legs out. But I, I think it that one. You don't really have to worry about because the quality's there and people are going to go out and see it, you know, as the weeks go by. And, you know, it's going to be in smaller auditoriums because the bigger auditoriums will be occupied by Barbie and Oppenheimer. So um, you, people are going to slowly trickle in to Mission Impossible. So I'm not worried about that. But Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, movie that cost over $300 million to make and it's only at, sitting at 145 domestically not good and just the audience is telling you so i know that everything's on strike right now but this is a big wake-up call for hollywood as as far as like what the audience wants so let's take a quick break when we come back i'm going to give you my double review of indiana jones and the dial of destiny and mission impossible dead reckoning part one this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back Our dolls are coming to Los Angeles from Barbie Land. This would be catastrophic. I do not have genitals. That's okay. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I have all, all the genitals. Barbie, July twenty-first, rated PG thirteen. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Barbie is now playing in theaters. I absolutely cannot wait to talk to you about both of these movies, that one and Oppenheimer. They're both playing right now. Again, I'm a little late right now in my catching up with everything. So as I'm recording this, as this is being released to you all, 
Uh, those movies are already playing in theaters, but there's a lot to talk about in terms of box office and then, of course, the movies themselves, and that'll be coming for sure later this week in another all-new episode of Pals Off the Top Rope. So let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, and I want to preface this by saying Indiana Jones is one of my favorite film franchises of all time. Um, I just, I love those movies. Harrison Ford in that role is just incredible. Uh, my favorite one is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but I have a soft spot for each and every one of those films. Um, there's something to love about them. They're just, they're old school. Um, it's Spielberg. There's just the whole works, right? So when they announced that the fifth one was going to happen, of course I got excited, you know, I know Harrison Ford is already super old in age, and and I should never stop someone from doing something that they want to do, right? But I'm like, he's pushing a little old, over eighty, you know. He's not like Stallone, where Stallone is, you know, he's up there in age too, but Stallone kind of keeps in shape. And I'm not saying Harrison Ford keeps in shape, but uh, he, his regimen is probably not as extreme as Stallone as far as like keeping up his persona of being an action star so there was a little bit of concern there on that part um what got me excited though was um director james mangle was going to come on to do this one it's not going to be steven spielberg so i'm like huh that's interesting um but he's a fantastic director he's done so he's so underrated and, you know he's done copland logan ford v ferrari 310 to yuma uh all these really really good films and he's one of my favorite directors so i'm like ah oh, He's kind of like, if it's not going to be Spielberg, I'm glad it's this guy. He's going to be able to bring like a good, you know, look to the movie. And uh, the first uh, teaser came out, I believe, last December. And, you know, it has the iconic Indiana Jones theme to it, more operatic, more epic, and just kind of like feels like a final farewell kind of thing. And I got super excited for it, right? But I really wasn't paying attention to, like, what was actually in the trailer, you know? I mean, I, I do still watch trailers, but I, I like, more more days, like, I'm usually just watching them once, and then that's it. Unless, like, I really like a trailer, like a Mission Impossible or something like that, where I'm just playing it over and over and over. Um, but yeah, that first trailer, and I was excited for it. And then the second one came out, and I kind of really paid attention to what was going on, and I'm like... I don't know. I'm just not like that excited for it. Like, will I still go see it? Absolutely. Um, it's Indiana Jones. Um, so yeah, like in the lead up to it, it was kind of just like, you know, whatever. It's a movie. It's, it's the summer. Uh, there's nothing going on this week. I'm going to go ahead and watch it. So I finally sat down for it and, um, man, was I severely like disappointed. Um, first off, the movie is, it's super long. It's, it's boring. I, and, and it's rare for me to say that about movies. I, and, I mean, but I was like looking at my watch a lot of the time and just none of, nothing about it was very interesting to me. Um, and I've been, uh, been a little bit in favor of the way they've de-aged actors over the years. Um, specifically like the way Marvel has done it. Um, I remember first seeing it with, um, you know, Kurt Russell and Guardians of the Galaxy where, like, they really got it good. Like, it looked, like, pretty decent at the time for what it was, right? Now, I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I go back and look at it now, it probably doesn't look as well. But I think at the time when I saw it, I was like, oh, man, like, if this, if they could do this with actors, 
and again, this the whole AI thing is really going to come into effect when, when I talk about Mission Impossible and then everything that's going on with the writer strike and the actor strike, all of that is a huge deal. Um, so I never thought it was going to be a problem in Hollywood. And even I was pushing like, man, if they can do this, uh, let, let's get a Tango in Cash 2 with a, a younger de-aged uh, Stallone and Kurt Russell and some that, that, That'll be awesome, right? Okay. So the first 30 minutes of Indiana Jones is a flashback sequence to a younger Harrison Ford. So they used a lot of footage uh, from unused Indiana Jones movies and they kind of pasted and color-coded uh, onto, I guess it's like Harrison Ford, uh, but I'm, I'm not really sure. It's probably a stunt double, but the voice is there for sure. And if this is the best, and we're in 2023 now, if this is the best that, te- that technology is going to look for that format, then I don't want it because it took me completely out of the movie and it looked super manufactured and super just terribly like awful. Like, and what made it even funnier was that, um, the voice is like, you could tell it's Harrison Ford, but you can tell it's an older gravelly Harrison Ford. So the, the voice is not matching the younger face. And most of that scene takes place at night. So it kind of like covers any of the, how bad it really looks. But even with that, it was super noticeable to me. And again, this is like the first 30 minutes of the movie. So I was completely taken out by that. And I was like, I, if this is the AI that they're going to be using forward for de-aging actors and like being able to use their likeness forever and ever, like, I don't want it. Like it, it's, if this is as good as it's going to get, then mm-mm. it did not work out for me. And once that sequence was over after those 30 minutes, I was just completely out on the movie. The story was, was not very interesting. The whole dial of destiny and all that stuff. And then they, they introduced the Phoebe Waller-Bridge character, which I've never seen Fleabag, so I'm not going to rag on her. Um, I'm sure she's great in that, but I did not like her in this. Um, I'm all for the female empowerment and strong female characters, but not at the expense of like characters that have been established and that we've grown to love. And Indiana Jones, for this part, just like is is treated like a such a nothing right like she's superior than him and if this is supposed to be like a passing of the torch like this is the wrong way to do it like there's there's right ways to do this kind of thing if you're going to pass over a franchise a la like creed or uh on tv with like cobra kai there's proper ways to do this stuff but i think disney just totally manufactured this and wanted to i, I don't know what the thinking was here on the script um it's just, and I don't know why, I mean, kudos to Harrison Ford for coming back, and if he feels like this was the story that should have been told for this final story, like, I guess, but I mean, you know, once he puts out his art into the universe, like, the way we interpret it is the way we interpret it, right, and for me, it's like, what a sad way to go out, and this is why I've always said, like, it's good for film franchises to have endings, um, like Star Wars, right, like, uh, after Return of the Jedi, like, they defeat the Empire and it ends all well. And I know people just want more and more and more and they want the characters to go on and come back and just keep on, right? So then they release the new trilogy with The Force Awakens and, like, that happy ending is just gone. Like, Han and Leia are, are together at the end of Return of the Jedi 
and we come back to this one and they're not together anymore and all this stuff has happened and I, I get it that's real life but the magic of movies is that they can give us happy endings and the same thing happens here with Indiana Jones like in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull he marries Marion and he he has like a, a happy ending to his story and we open up on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny after that flashback sequence and He's all depressed, and he's not with Marianne anymore, and the character of Mutt Williams uh, died in war, um, and it's like, oh, just super depressing, and like, I like my movies sometimes to have happy endings, like, can they continue on? Sure, but then, like, at least don't rob us of the happy endings that were given to these characters, and then it, by by the end of it, and they try to reconcile the, the Marianne character and, and, and Indiana Jones, but by the end of it, I was so soured. It was like, it just feels forced and just unnatural as opposed to like the way Crystal Skull ended. But with all that being said, the movie's just super boring and just could not keep my attention. And you can tell how much of it is filmed on a green screen. And again, this goes to what I think the audience is getting really tired of is, is the CGI super filled stuff. Like all the practicality is, is slowly making a comeback. And we'll talk about that in a little bit with Mission Impossible. Uh, people want to see stuff being done for real and, and they're, they're either, either the CGI has gone bad or the, just the movie making is just getting lazier and hopefully it's the latter and we can do better with, with CGI and stuff like that. But just a lot of this stuff just looked super manufactured and even in the third act, like Indiana Jones doesn't get to be Indiana Jones and do anything. And I'm sure a lot of it had to do with, um Harrison Ford's age but you know in the third act he gets like shot and then it's just like he's the damsel in distress and the Phoebe Waller bridge character has to rescue him and again I'm all about the female empowerment but couldn't they have come up with something better where it's like the both of them trying to like do the heroic thing and not like have your main title character be in despair and be the one that's like on the verge of death like uh, i don't know just this whole movie did not work for me I, I thought it was really terrible one of the worst ever i don't even think i will buy it to complete my indiana jones collection it's just completely forgettable and i feel really bad because i really like james mangold but he totally missed the mark here and i'm sure there was a lot of studio interference from disney and and you know i don't i'm not sure who's running exactly lucasfilm but I'm sure for the most part it's all the Disney heads and the movie just did not work for me at all. So I, I don't recommend it, especially like, you know, with the way the economy is and, you know, people's budgets and stuff. That's another reason that people aren't taking into account is like the, the, the inflation is, is a real thing and people are picking and choosing what they want to go see. So if I, I'm telling you just as, and I, I want, all of my movies to do well at the theater just because that just that makes our business continue to grow and grow and grow but if you're going to pick and choose i i definitely don't recommend indiana jones and the dial of destiny it's just not worth your time and keep the memories of what you like i'd rather you rewatch the other ones even kingdom of the crystal skull has, has been validated because of this movie and that one is probably the weaker of the of the other three, like, I'm, 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 take Dial of Destiny out of it. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is considered, like, the worst in the franchise, but after you watch this one, you'll have a more appreciation for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I've always been an apologist for it, like, I like it, um, 
but it just makes it look even better now after having seen this one. That just goes to show you how much they they really fumbled it on this one. So, yeah, um, not a good movie, folks. I'm sorry. I'm not, I mean, and I'm not going to be biased either. And I and I told you I love the Indiana Jones franchise, but this one just did not work for me at all. So. Go ahead and skip this one. Uh, let's take one final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. This is Palace off the top rope. We'll be right back. We're in a race against the Nazis. We have a 12-month head start. 18. We've got one hope. Our nation's best scientists working together here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. You're a great improviser, but this you can't do in your head. This is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world. Five, they just fired the starting gun. The president needs to know what's next. Two, what's next? One. In theaters now, rated R. Welcome back to the show. And Oppenheimer is now playing in theaters. And again, later this week, I'm going to be doing an episode covering Barbie and Oppenheimer, or Barbenheimer, as is, as just taken over the nation. A um, lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to those two movies, but that's for the next episode. Let's finish off this episode strong with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I got to see this with my dad uh, a couple of days before the actual premiere of the movie in a Walmart like exclusive fan first screening. Um, and just right off the bat, this is just continuing what uh, Tom Cruise didn't fall out and just not relenting. Um, you saw all the videos in the lead up to it. The actual stunt that, you know, Tom Cruise does and jumping the bike off of the, off of the ramp, off a giant cliff. And it's just what a Christopher McQuarrie has really mastered how to do these movies. And just like Justin Lid did with the Fast Five and Fast and Furious Six, um, he just knows how to stage these action sequences and there's always the MacGuffin, right, in the Mission Impossible movies, but it really what it's become about is the characters and just the practi- the practicality in the in the sets and the staging and, and the action and there's just so much going on in this movie and it is a part one or so. Um while it is fantastic, there's also a lot left for whatever they're going to give us in the next installment. So it's not a four-star movie for me, but it is definitely a three and a half out of four. So I strongly recommend it. Is It is one of the best movies of the year, definitely one of the best movies of the summer that you're going to see. So if you can see it and if you had to have a chance to see it on a big screen, if it's still on, on a premium large formatted screen, please go because I promise you you're going to get your money's worth. You're going to get your entertainment value. Tom Cruise makes movies for the audience, and he just absolutely delivers on this one. The cast is incredible. In the previous movie that I just talked about, uh, the female empowering characters, this one gives you more than one. You got Haley Atwell uh, coming into the franchise for the first time. She's more famous for playing Peggy Carter in the Marvel movies, but she does such an incredible job keeping up with Tom Cruise, keeping pace with him. And I think her chemistry with him was a little bit better than Rebecca Ferguson, who also returns as Elsa Faust. And she's uh, like a, a force to be reckoned with. You know, she's great, continues to do what she does. Vanessa Kirby's in this and, as the White Widow, and she just continues to build on that character. So there is a lot of strong female characters in this movie without having to belittle the Tom Cruise main Ethan Hunt character. So like I said, there's a right way to do these kind of things in movies, and this one does it to perfection. Um, 
Do I wish the box office was a little higher for this? Absolutely, but that doesn't deter from the fact that this is a really good popcorn flick and they know what to give you with these movies. They're not trying to be anything that they're not. The only thing that's different in this movie is that they are battling a force that this is neither here nor there or is everywhere, right? They're battling AI in this movie. So it is a topic that is super relevant in the pop culture world now. And it's funny because they started filming this movie about like five years ago. So they were way ahead of the curve as far as like AI being a potential threat, not only to actors and the writers uh, in Hollywood, but as an actual threat to the world. So while this is a popcorn flick, watching it i couldn't be you know i in the back of my mind it was like this is kind of eerie because we're almost close to this kind of future where an ai can possibly take over you know governments and you know nuclear arms and stuff like that now am i paranoid about that no but it's 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 weird how ai has really just become a topic of conversation so much this year and the fact that this movie released this year and it's about that and that's the enemy in the movie um it's just it's hollywood always has a way of making things come out uh, very coincidentally with stuff that's going on uh, in the world so um big thumbs up for me highly recommend um, the set pieces and the action sequences are just incredible. Uh, the best one, my favorite was probably, there's an airport sequence early on in the movie with Haley Atwell and her introduction of, she's like a pit pocketer, so there's a lot of that stuff going on. A lot of, this felt more in line with like, kind of like the original Mission Impossible, uh, where it was more about the spy stuff and just very character driven. And not that these movies aren't character driven, but this felt, it, it was a way different atmosphere than fallout which was just balls to the wall just over the top and just the apex of what this series could be and i'm not i'm not diminishing dead reckoning but you know just it's it's a whole different ball game than what was going on in fallout here it's trying to do something a little different and obviously the villain is just very different than what's come before um the rest of the supporting cast is awesome you know simon Pegg and ving rames are back as uh benji and luther and they're always good in their roles so nothing to complain about there you get what you get with those characters um and i love how you know they're they're kind of doing the fast x thing where they're really making it about family and friendship and all that stuff so you've grown to love these characters there are stakes in this movie there's something that happens in the middle of it i don't want to give anything away because this is a movie i really highly recommend and want you to see so i don't want to give away what happens but there is crucial stakes in this movie and it's done on such a grand scale and the 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 locations in this movie are awesome in rome you know fast x does a, a, lo- a set location in rome in their movie but then you see that and you see what they, how they do it practically in Mission Impossible. And it's like, you can tell the difference when studios are using CG and it looks like bullshit. And here in Mission Impossible, you can see that it's Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell behind the wheel of a car crashing and burning and, you know, just all, driving all over the place and the cameras in their face and you get white shots and doors, uh, you know, propped off the car where you can see that they're actually driving on the inside. So you can see the filmmaking styles and you can tell like when they're on real locations and, and using the best of those locations. So they're in Rome, they're in Venice, they're in all these, there's all these incredible fight sequences going on in these locations. So this movie is just amazing. Um, 
I probably rank it as the third best mission uh, film. So my top two are Rogue Nation and Fallout. And then I would put this one definitely at number three. These movies have just gotten so much better in the latter part, even though this is part seven, right? Like how many part sevens can you say that are good in any series? So are we getting too much sequels? Yes. But when we're getting sequels like this, when there's this passion and this just all going all in on making the best possible movie, yes, like I will watch a hundred of these movies if the quality stays consistent. Like there's films and franchises that just diminish and they run out of stuff to do. And all I can think about is I'm reading some stuff about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2, if that's what it's going to be called. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and like I read somewhere that Simon Pegg said that what they did in part seven is like tame compared to what they're doing in part eight. And I'm like, man, there was incredible sequences just in this one alone. And you're, you're setting it up like that, that it was just like, kind of like, eh, it was, eh, the the, the next one's going to be even crazier. That just gets me even more excited. So if you haven't seen it yet, there, there's just really good movies out there and this is going to be one of them. So take your dad, you know, take your friends. Uh, I, I still need to go do a rewatch on this one. You know, I, I pop in and out while I'm working at the theater because it's just so thrilling. There's always something going on. It's a movie that it's also super long, but it never drags. There's always something going on and it doesn't let up. So it's one of the best summer movies out there that you're going to find. And just in general, one of the best movies that you're going to see all year. Because that's what Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie bring with this franchise. And that's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. There's not so much more that I want to say without spoiling a lot of the stuff. But the cast is great. The story is good enough. It is a part one of a part two. But it doesn't really it doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. It does kind of like conclude everything that's going on in this movie. But it obviously does leave room for stuff that's un- unresolved. And that, that there's more to come. But it does feel more... Uh, like a resolved movie as opposed to like something like Across the Spider-Verse where it literally leaves you in a cliffhanger and it says to be continued. So um, even though it is part one, it doesn't end like that. So you'll be completely satisfied with this movie. Um, and that's going to do it for this episode. Um, again, there's another one coming up this week where I'm going to be talking about Barbenheimer. Uh, and for those that don't know the term, that's Barbie and Oppenheimer meshed together as one. Uh, it was a meme, but now it's turned into this big pop cultural phenomenon, and you'll get all my coverage on that, the box office, the movie reviews, um, and just my whole day on, on how I watched those movies, because it was, it's something I'll never forget. It was just an incredible experience. Um, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can basically get your pod for, podcast. I do send them out through my social media links on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can also download that app. To listen to this show, I have all the past episodes up there, uh, including the most recent one that I just did, The Dark Knight, 15 years later. I hope you get to listen to that. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, and just we continue to celebrate it, and it just keeps getting more and more prestigious. And uh, I was very proud of that episode, so hopefully listen to that one. Hopefully you've listened today, and I greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't seen any of these movies, um, of course, be always be your own critic and your own judge. Um, I did not like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I probably will never see it again. It was one of the worst movies of all time. But, again, that's just my opinion. I want to know what you guys think. And, but I will highly recommend Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, you'll get your all of your money's worth and then some. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, take care, and God bless you.